commercial real estate actually is, is limitless. You can go anything from the real estate side where you're actually picking, selecting, and helping them identify properties, or the financial side, you can go the underwriting side, you could work in a bank, a lending institution, you can go to a REIT, you could go to a group of investors who want to corner the market on a particular type of asset. Are there any particular things you guys are interested in hearing about today that I can cover first? I personally am interested in brokerage, mm -hmm. um, investment sales. Uh, I guess maybe touch on like landlord, landlord representation and tenant representation and mm -hmm. difference, especially in like getting started, what's easier. Um, sure, okay, great question. Let's do this. Let's go down the list of the questions you already have and I'll kind of fill in the blanks as we go forward. So commercial real estate is different from residential real estate in the fact that you are dealing with assets that are typically more expensive. You're dealing with clients that are not individuals living in the property, but actually just using it for a business purpose. That takes out a lot of the emotional piece. I think a lot of people in residential have to deal with some very emotional decisions. Uh, I did that for about two years when I first got my license, and that was plenty. Uh, I won't need to do that ever again. It's a very... Um, particular style of business if you want to do that business. Um, you will need to have a license if you're going to acquire and or work on projects outside of your own company's ownership. If you are in a large REIT, you can probably do some analysis, you can do some selection pieces, but to do an actual transaction, you must be licensed. I think actually getting a license, whether you perform transactions or not, is a very useful tool. I think it teaches you a lot about the fiduciary responsibility of having a license, what pieces of information you are permitted to, what pieces you're not permitted to share with others. I think there's a lot of legal ease that will help you understand what needs to happen in a transaction. And it teaches you a lot if you want to be an investor yourself. Uh, as far as my experience goes, I, again, enjoyed residential for what it was, just getting me started. The moment my license hit my second year, which is when you become eligible to sit for your broker's license, I tested that week. I knew I didn't want to do residential. I knew I wanted to have my own company and I was on the track to get it done. And working with Oldham Goodwin, it was a great opportunity to experience multiple platforms, multiple channels, multiple opportunities to see different types of transactions. A lot of time when you go to work for a small firm to start, you're kind of limited as to what you see and what experience you have. When you go to a larger firm, it's usually the opposite. It's broad, it is all encompassing. You can do anything from a CBRE or a, uh, a larger group out of Houston, Austin, Dallas, CBREs worldwide, or go to a boutique firm kind of like mine where we work a geographic area here in College Station. It doesn't mean I'll turn down business outside the area. It just means that I've become an expert in this particular area of working with clients that need opportunities here at Bryan College Station. Let's travel down the path of larger firms for a second. So what's happened is on a global scale, a lot of commercial real estate has had a tremendous amount of uptake since uh, Bush took office in 2016. We had seen uh, in 2008 and in the late 80s, a very difficult time in real estate. Interest rates were high, people weren't able to get loans. It was a very difficult time but they're not making more real estate. Real estate is always gonna be a great asset. It's always gonna be a channel for investment. Regardless of what the economy is going to do, you're gonna have the option to make an, an investment in real estate, whether it be a 
multifamily property for yourself here on campus. Uh, you and your parents could go in and pick up a, a duplex. You live on one side, rent out the other side. When you leave, you rent out your side. Now you've got an asset that you're collecting rent on all the way up through it, including a large development. Uh, and a development could be everything from a small, I'll say small eight to 10,000 square foot retail center to a 500,000 square foot master planned community um, Kroger anchored center on a large corridor off a freeway. So there's a lot of things in between. It's really just gonna be a matter of what you find interesting, what you can really get your, your thinking around and understand the motivations, the tools, and the outcomes, and then deciding, look, this is where I wanna go, this is what I wanna do. I think a great opportunity is to spend some time in some internships as you're going through school. Uh, those of you that are seniors, you kinda, you kinda miss that opportunity, but you're, you've got some other things you can look at. I know that a lot of the internships that they put out with A&M, you will do a lot of analysis, a lot of market work, a lot of grunt work. Don't look at it as a negative, look at it as a clearly understanding the base that's required to move forward in a commercial transaction. If you don't have a good base, you really won't do well when you step into other roles. And again, it's just like taking your, your general courses before you pick your uh, major. So even if it's a, a, a grunt job getting started, put your whole heart into it, really spend your time getting to the people at the firm because that may be where you go back to when you graduate. Take every opportunity you can to invest in your education, invest in relationships, invest in your future. And again, every person you talk to can be an asset. Every person you talk to, you add to your network. And as you grow and as you increase your knowledge, go back and tell those folks, hey, look, moving into my junior year, I wanna look at something when I graduate. Hey, I'm moving into my sophomore year, I'm gonna look at another internship. Just keep working those angles. They will be great assets when you graduate. That's another piece. Let's, let's branch off for a second into the Aggie network. I was probably one of the guys that didn't realize the value that I had when I graduated because I'm the guy that you won't hear from me if I'm going to move and switch apartments to come help me move. But if you move, I definitely want you to at least ask me. So I didn't realize I needed to leverage that and to spend more of my time pushing that relationship and getting those connections and relationships with people so I could leverage that when I graduated. Trust me, you paid for it with blood, sweat, and tears. You paid for it for your, with your money. You are owed this opportunity. This ring is a ticket into a lot of opportunities. You can meet a lot of people traveling on planes, staying in hotels. You meet folks, you just look at the ring and start with a conversation. I've done a couple of deals just by traveling the country and finding folks that came from the same background that I did, and we ended up doing deals together. Uh, let's, let's back up and let's go back to my specific experience. When I came out of the residential world, I realized it wasn't for me. I started looking at opportunities that I could have a life outside of my business. Residential real estate really is a different world. They show up to work 10 or 12 o'clock in the morning and go home eight or nine o'clock at night. You work nights and weekends. It's a very different avenue, but some folks like that flexibility. Some people like to spend time with their kids, go to sports or just get up late and do yoga. That was kind of funny, but no, I count that one. It's okay. That was fun. So I chose to have a discipline where I could spend time with my family, spend time enjoying the success that I had. So I typically come to work at 7.30 or so, and I leave about 5. I take an hour and a half during the day to go work out and get my lunch. That's my break. That's my ability to collect myself, figure things out, 
kind of get my head on straight, come back in and try and push through the end of the day. Everybody's going to have a different plan. Um, usually the commercial market, we don't do a lot of work at night. If you're coming up in the industry, I would take weekends and nights, any type of project you can get your hands on, any way you can impress any of your bosses and get to the next level. They want to see somebody who's going to put in the heart, the effort, the time, and the work. If they see that in you, you're going to rise to the top. One of the things that we had talked about, Kenzie, I discussed kind of some pieces that are positive and what to look at. This is a doggy dog business. This is not, for the most part, a friendly game. You are in a situation where the information you have is valuable. There's a, an old saying that a buddy of mine taught me. That was my early 20s. He was a senior guy out of one of the, back then it was the, the big eight. And he said, you know, Robert, we're purveyors of information. What we know is our value, what we know is our value to our clients or to the competition. So don't just have diarrhea in the mouth and give out all the information that you have on the first day, right? You want to have things that are valuable that you keep in reserve that you can use to attract, close, or find a way to work a deal that someone else doesn't have. So for example, if you're working out a situation where you know that another group is coming in and you're working with a client, let's just take coffee, for example. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts to deal on Welburn Road. Dunkin' Donuts is a national group. Dunkin' Donuts has a franchisee who wanted to build here. He came in and we did the transaction. Within about eight months, they did another sale of the adjacent track to another coffee company. When you're working deals for your clients, you've got to investigate all the particular aspects of that deal. Find out what's going on. Look for information that would bring value. If he had known Dutch Brothers was coming in, would he have done the transaction? So don't make this about money. Make this about people. Make this about deals. Make this about your reputation. Once you switch over to making it money, people are going to see through you. They're going to understand who you are and what you're about. You may get a couple of deals, but in the long run, it's not worth it. You've got one reputation. Don't ruin it. Build it. Create value as you bring people things. When you're making calls, don't always call them and ask for a deal. Call them sometimes and bring them information. Then what happens when you're calling a person and she picks up the phone, look, I'm in a meeting, but it's Robert. What if he's calling to give me something instead of ask for something? I got to take that call. Make yourself valuable. Create volume for yourself by bringing data to people. If you read an article about something, hey, I want to let you know this is going on. I know this directly uh, impacts your bottom line. Let's say it's the coffee guy again. Let's say plastic cups went up, you know, 500% overnight because some plastics plant burned down in Louisiana. Talk to them about things that they value. And when you call them again, they're going to have to take your call because they're not sure what it's going to be. Is it a value to me or is it just him asking for something? As far as the business goes, build relationships. A lot of times guys will take calls from people that they know over a broker who's sending them a deal they don't know. You're a known commodity. You become an expert at what you're doing. You become more valuable. Uh, let's talk about the different types of real estate. So you can be a person who just does tenant rep, a person who finds tenants, finds the markets they want to go when it represents them going into a transaction. Let's just keep on the Dunkin' Donuts situation. Let's say I'm the national franchise rep for Dunkin' Donuts and I want to get a broker who can help me in some markets. Well, if I call Robert and Brian College Station, I know he can probably hit the smaller 
secondary and tertiary markets. So we're talking Caldwell, Hearn, Navasota, Madisonville, and work these areas, Bryan College Station. I probably wouldn't call a guy from Houston to help me out in um, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? So you gotta become an expert in what's happening. So when they call you and talk to you, you share with them what's happening in the industry. You share with them what's happening with A&M, what's happened through COVID, did you guys survive, what restaurants shut down, which restaurants open. You really become an expert in that area, then that makes you more valuable. Anybody can push paper and do a transaction, but when you learn to be an expert in something, you're the go-to guy or go-to girl in what's going on. If we talk about the instance for Dunkin' Donuts, again, they're calling and say, Robert, I want to find a spot in Bryan College Station, go to open two stores, help me find locations that I can afford and that have the traffic patterns I want. What's the number one thing, if you're Dunkin' Donuts, what's the number one thing you want to find in your location? Anybody have an idea? Just shout it out. What's the primary thing you want in your location? The first thing you probably will look at is coffee. Any guesses? Are you, are you looking for like a school? A school's a good one. But what will be the primary function? When do you get coffee? Typically in the morning, right? Okay. So when do you want to, what side of the traffic do you want to be on? The morning side or the afternoon side? Okay. So the inbound side to traffic. So if you're on Wellburn, you want the right side, the north side, right? Because that's all the inbound traffic. So just things like that. Um, a tax office. If you're representing H&R Block. How often during the year does H&R Block work? Right, it's just during tax time, right? Are they open when there's then tax time isn't important? No, so then when you write the lease, you've got to think about things like in a commercial lease, it states you must be open seven days a week from this hour to this hour. You cannot close, you cannot go dark. Well, if you're representing that tenant, you've got to change that contract because you know that person's not gonna be open three, four, five months out of the year. They don't need to be open. They're not gonna waste the payroll to do that. Those are the pieces of transactions that become important to you that you start putting yourself in the position of your client. If you do that, that's gonna help you understand the transaction more. And questions, questions, questions. Ask questions of these people when you're working with them. Try and talk to them and help, help your understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. It could be things like, look, what's your number one goal? Give me your top three issues. Well, I've got to be on the inbound side of traffic. I want to have a small track. I want to be facing this direction, or I want to have these type of co-tenants next to me. Would I put Dunkin' Donuts in next to Starbucks? Likely not. Would they be okay across the street or somewhere close by? They might look at doing that. A lot of these guys like to be around their competitors, or if it's a restaurant, they want to be in a row of restaurants because people will go there one restaurant's busy, they'll hop to the next. Hey, I'm sick and tired of chicken. I want to go get fish. I'm tired of fish. I want to get a steak. So, but it's all in a, an area typically that's populated by those restaurants. Uh, let's talk about landlord representation. Landlord representation means you work for clients that are typically asset owners or landlords. These guys would say, listen, Robert, I want you to fill up these three vacancies that I have. I've had a hard time. The last group didn't do a very good job. They didn't understand our market, what was going on. They were out of Houston or Dallas. You're here in College Station. Can you help me out? Certainly. Uh, Mr. Smith, I understand what you're looking for. You've got these four uses. Do any of those uses have an exclusive on the center? Meaning, can you put another one of those same uses in the center? Great question on the box. What else are we looking for? Do any of those spaces have 
grease traps. Can we put a restaurant in there? You're in College Station. It's difficult. Grease traps are required for yogurt, ice cream, coffee, and any type of restaurant. Everybody has to have a grease trap. It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of overkill. But what they found is that people were leaving these ice cream stores and dumping in a hamburger place, and then there's no grease trap. Again, little nuances for our city forefathers and what they do, but you can use those in other areas as well. Letter representation means you have to work with the landlord to get the highest rent, the best transaction, and underwrite the person that you're working with. So if we've got a new group coming into town and they've got 50 restaurants across the U.S., pretty strong paper, we know those are going to be probably a good risk. If you've got mom, pa, kettle, who left the mortgage industry business, retired, and decided to open a pizza joint, that's pretty risky. How much cash do you have? Well, I got 200,000 in savings. We're gonna get a loan for the build out. Here's my credit history. You know, here's what we have. It starts looking better. But then you've also got Sally who says, hey, they like my enchiladas, I wanna open a restaurant. She's never owned a restaurant, never run a restaurant, never worked in a restaurant. Pretty high risk and probably not something we're gonna look at unless she's got somebody big backing her. Her manager's had 20 years experience. She's got a tremendous amount of cash and savings, these kinds of things. Landlord work is, slower because you're counting on your marketing, bringing in people. Tenant rep work is very arduous in the fact that you travel a lot, you collect a lot of data, produce a lot of reports, and eventually they weed through it, but the pet is pretty high. Let's switch to commissions. In a commission transaction, we did tenant rep first. Tenant rep is 4%, 4% of the base rental rate over the primary term. So it's a five year term, you get 20 bucks a foot, 1,000 square feet, that's 20,000 a year, that's $100,000. So you get 4% of that. It's paid in two payments. One, at lease execution. Two, at the commencement of the lease, when they open for business and they have their release of liens, their insurance, you have signed off on what construction they've done, they have a certificate of occupancy from the city, and they're open for business. Now guys, I'm kind of just like throwing this out here. It's a lot of information. Nobody's asking questions, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> you want me to slow down or I'm going too fast? Let me know. Okay. On the landlord side, you would be responsible for working through the lease documents. You're probably going to have an attorney if it's a bigger landlord. If it's just you, you would want to suggest, unless you're pretty solid, maybe have five or 10 years experience, you want to go defer to a tenant or a landlord's attorney to help you work through some of the particulars. Each transaction, it can be the same building, the same day, it's gonna be different. It'll never be the same. Each of these things is very, very different. It's like selling houses. It can be next door to each other, but there's always gonna be something different. And it's important to watch out for those pieces. Again, like a, a tax guy needs different hours. With a food piece, you need grease strap, or you need access, you need a drive-through. The commission for a landlord rep is 2%. So it's half of what a tenant broker gets. So again, same formula. It's the base rental rate, primary term, times a percentage. A lot of people had tried to work in in the past, getting options on renewals, getting full payments on those. That's really not very common at this time, unless you're talking, you know, 100,000 square foot lease in a large building. You could probably get some residuals off that. The typical tenant in a typical retail center you're not going to get the landlord's not going to pay you. You've already done your work. Move on to the next deal. Well, let's talk about acquisition disposition. So you can buy and sell. Typically, right now, retail at least is done on a cap rate. So your, your capitalization rate for what it is you're making each year. 
So quick formula, most retail centers are triple net leases. Triple net is an acronym, three capital N's, taxes, insurance, common area maintenance. Taxes are taxes, property taxes, insurance is just insurance. What it costs the landlord to insure the building should something happen. And then common area maintenance, sometimes called CAM, is a summation of landscaping, lighting, repairs, it just issues about the building itself and taking care of it. Those three figures, the tenants pay on a monthly basis. They just escrow it into account. The landlord gets those, tries to estimate them each year. We pay it out, do reconciliation, usually in January or February. The base rental rate you would use to calculate your NOI, net operating income. So you take your triple net expenses out, you've got your NOI, that's the ratio you're going to calculate your investment. Right now, retail centers are trading between a seven and a seven and eight and a half, probably. If you're trading on a Starbucks or McDonald's, you're probably going to be sub five, you know, four and a half to 4.75, which is absolutely insane. That's you're not making money. At some point, we're going to have the interest rate be our cap rate. And it's it's a it's a a non-monetary gain if you're at that point. So I think we're gonna see a correction here in a couple of years. Large retail centers. You can acquire and you can dispose of large retail centers. Some of them will have pads, some of them will have outlier parcels. You may have ground leases. Um, a ground lease is a complicated transaction typically reserved for maybe a Chase Bank, a McDonald's, um, Burger King, somewhere in that range, they will try to keep their assets off their books so the bottom lines look better. So they'll take a ground lease where the landlord will charge them a rate on an annual basis, let's just say $100,000. Chase pays for and builds a building, but the asset now is sitting on land that they don't own. So it's, it's a definitely a, an interesting concept, but it doesn't apply to a lot of basic investors. It really is gonna be for the higher end large corporations, you know, billion dollars plus. I, I think that, again, it's reserved for banks and, and large QSRs for mo the most part. Um, let's see, tenants. Let's talk about financing. So some of you guys may end up going in on the finance side where you're underwriting projects. You are simply uh, a numbers cruncher that is gonna do the due diligence for the brokers that are doing transactions. That'd be somebody who perhaps um, does it enjoy the gift of gab and working through transactions and talking to people and trying to negotiate, maybe having some, some face-to-face -face stuff that you work through. It's kind of difficult. You could be in the back of the house. You can do numbers. Uh, you can also do property management. You could be one of the group that handles managing the asset, looking for ways to cut expenses and raise revenue, refinancing, getting new, vendors to work with you, increasing rents. Again, cutting expenses is a great route, very fast route to get more money for your investor. You could work on the larger REIT size where you're putting together portfolios and packages, you know, anywhere from, from five to 105 assets together into one portfolio to try and, and uh, process through a REIT where they can have investment opportunities. You could go the route of straight brokerage where you take on um, transaction where you're looking to increase the value for the owner by selling off the asset at a higher rate than he paid 
over the last five years, we've seen a great increase in assets. We've seen the net values of these assets climbing at some pretty ridiculous rates. Right now is definitely a seller's market, but the problem in this market, because it's a seller's market, is when they do sell, what do they reinvest in? So it's been a difficult transaction challenge to get these assets moved because the sellers have nothing to get into because the market's so tight. There have been a lot of things that have come out to help, not just the 1031 that's been common, but now the Opportunity Zones using 1031. Opportunity Zones were brought on when Trump took office to try and facilitate growth in these harder hit or challenged demographic areas by giving tax abatements or tax breaks anywhere from five to 10 years. So if you hold the asset, you could receive one type of benefit. If you hold the asset for 10 years, you just receive another type of benefit. But all these types of uh, creating of tools and methods to glean profitability has really pushed the real estate market, like I said, over the last five years or so. I think that all that information is great, and that's a great amount of data to collect and think about. But the biggest thing is, guys, if you can find a job where you go to work each day and you enjoy it, it's an old adage, but you'll never work a day in your life. If you can find something that you want to do and enjoy it, that's the type of job you should have. If you don't like it, you guys should do something else. Move on, move to something else. It's really going to be important for you to, over the next couple of years, to figure out, look, what can I do? What pieces of this puzzle can I take for myself and enjoy and then move on to the next piece and try and get exposed to a lot of different things? It may not be an internship. It may just have to be where you meet with business leaders in the community. You guys use this, this avenue as a great way to do it. And once a month, just set up a time to go speak with somebody who's done this or done insurance or done underwriting or done the financing side. And just sit down and look, tell me about your business. Help me understand what it is you do. And through that, hopefully you can begin to glean some information that's beneficial to you and it will help you make a decision. For me, my day starts, like I said, at 7.30, I come and answer emails, try and get the fires put out so that by eight o'clock, I'm making phone calls, talking to people, getting leases updated, following up with transactions that are outstanding, trying to figure out what next move is, and then trying to be the rainmaker for the company and pushing off a lot of the daily responsibilities to the employees so they can get their opportunities, that they can make money and they can grow. If I'm out bringing in new deals, I'm always gonna have the pipeline full and can help feed some of these younger brokers. It's important to have a group where it's gonna be a culture you enjoy, but also somebody that's driven. You don't wanna work for a lazy group. You wanna get somebody who's, their tail end is on fire and they love this business and every day they come to work enjoying it and smiling and telling jokes and cracking wise. I mean, that's where you wanna work. Somebody who feeds you and puts information at your disposal, who challenges you, who tries to find ways to, to increase your knowledge by putting you in uncomfortable situations where you are forced to learn. You know, we don't stretch until we get put in a place where it's different, it's new, it's uncommon. We're in the same place all the time. We're never going to grow. All right. I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> I'm going to back up and we'll let you guys ask some general questions. I would like you to maybe touch on, um, I know that out of the bank, Austin and Dallas have been some market leaders across the country. Um, and so... I'm curious to know how, I mean, I'm assuming that the college station market is 
has fared well um, during all of this, but if you could touch on that and then kind of where you see it going mm -hmm. um, in the next few years. So I think one of the things we had early, earlier talked about was kind of the discouraging things that you guys have heard about this industry and what's happening in the economy overall. It is not easy coming out of school, trying to find direction when we're coming out of such a difficult time. I want to encourage you, first of all, don't lose hope. Don't buy into the hype. Don't listen to the news and what's going on. I'm hiring. Other brokerages are hiring. I know that there are people looking for good, solid individuals to come on board. Okay, so don't, don't let that get you down. Your positive attitude, your ability to believe what you've learned and what you can do can be an asset to a company is tantamount to you getting a job. Okay, you cannot allow whatever's happening outside of your control to affect your attitude, your personality, your happiness, and your health. Okay, you're in charge of you. Right. For me, church recharges me on the weekends. My family, my kids recharge me and I'm back in the office and I'm on it. You kind of have to be like a duck when something bad hits you. Just let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. It just comes off. It's you can't let it hit you personally. It's business. This is business. This is not a personal attack on you. OK, this is you. Facilitating a transaction that will or won't make. And I gotta be honest, guys, if you're doing 10 transactions, three or four of them aren't gonna make. That's just the odds. It's gonna happen. So build into your own system of understanding what's happening, the ability to cope with a negative situation. Now, when something bad comes up, don't give up on it. Get three or four no's before you actually bail out on something, okay? Just because somebody says, yeah, I don't think I wanna do that, that doesn't mean that's their last answer. Find a way, okay, well, what would make you do it? Why aren't you wanting to do that? What's the thing that's holding you back? What's the piece of the puzzle that's missing here? Start asking questions. Then you become a consultant. Then you're not an order taker, you're a consultant. You're asking probing important questions to get to the bottom of it. Well, then he tells you, well, look, I wanna be at this part of town and what you're showing me is on this side of town. Well, Mr. Jones, I apologize. When we started this, you told me this was your area. This is your district. This is the only part of town you wanna be in. If you changed it, that's fine. I can handle that. Let me go get you a brand new scope of understanding. Let me send it to you. You check it and tell me, yes, Robert, you're right. I will send you a whole new list of properties and we'll start this. I'll get it done to you in the next 12 hours. Find out what the problem is, okay? Don't just take, no, I don't want to do it for an answer. Let's talk to the guys. Guys, if you meet a girl that you like and she tells you, no, I'm, I, I don't want to talk to you or no, I don't want to drink or no, I don't want to dance. Do you walk away and just give up on the first try? Well, I don't, okay? When I was dating, I didn't. If there was somebody that I found interesting that I thought I would enjoy, or I knew from a friend was a person that enjoyed the same things I did, sure. I just kept talking. I just kept talking. If it didn't work, I came back another time. I got another friend to go talk to her for me. Hey, go tell her, I, I like going to do these things. Would she like to go do that? Don't give up. You gotta push, if you want something bad enough, you've gotta push to get it. If you get three or four no's, hey, that's great. Call the guy back in 30 days and say, hey, I just was thinking about you. Did you ever end up making a decision on what you're going to do? Actually, I haven't. I'm glad you called me back. I want to get back in the saddle. Let's go look for something. So there's lots of ways to give it up. But don't let your environment dictate how you behave and how you feel, okay? You're in control of that. You can deal with that. Go work out. Go hang out with your friends. Whatever it is that gets your mind off that and get back in the game.
you got to be quick. The other thing about this is most of these transactions are going to be on the phone. They have no idea who you are. No idea who you are. When you're on the phone, I was 20, I was 21 years old. I went to go work. I got recruited out of a I left. got recruited out of a and went to work for a headhunting service called MRI. MRI was a division of CDI, one of the largest corporations in the world. I walked into an office where I was the junior guy. Everybody was 30 plus in this office. They laughed at me when I came in because they said, Robert, you, you don't even know what you have. I had a nervous, my foot was moving all the time because I have nervous energy and I'm not going to give up, right? I always want to go to the next step. They laughed. They said, this is why you're going to succeed is because you have this nervous energy. You're going to keep going. She said, the other part of this is you're 21 years old. You have a voice of a 35-year-old. So on the phone, nobody knows how young you are. Don't tell them how young you are. Talk like you're 35. She said, they will not know how old you are. And sure enough, it was a great opportunity for me. I did very well. I had some great teachers. I had some great associates were working that really helped me through the ropes very quickly. You have got to believe in yourself that you can create a persona that makes you a desirable employee, a desirable opponent when you're dealing with somebody else and somebody is formidable that you're not going to be taken advantage of. It's not because you're being a jerk on the phone. It's because you're presenting yourself. You're sitting up when you talk, put a mirror on your desk, make yourself smile. I know it sounds silly, but when you're on a phone call, not a zoom call, but on a phone call and you're smiling, people can hear you. Think about the time when your boyfriend or girlfriend called you and they weren't smiling. Then think about the time when they were smiling. You could tell, you could hear their voice that they were happy and they were smiling. That, when you're talking to a person, will convey a lot of information very quickly. We have a lot of non-visual um, tools we've got to use and convince people to stay on the phone with us. They want to do business with people they like. If you can create that rapport and you've got 10 seconds to do it, you can create the rapport, you're going to get a phone call that's worth something. When you get them on the phone, talk about things. For me, let's say I'm making a cold call to fill one of my centers. I call a guy who does insurance. Hey, Mr. State Farm guy, how are you today? Great. My name is Robert Young with SRA. I'm a commercial real estate broker. I've got a landlord that needs to get an insurance guy in our center. I have an immediate need. Can I talk to you for a couple of seconds? Well, number one, I introduced myself to him who I was. Number two, I understand who he is, and he knows that I've done my research to figure out he's a State Farm agent. Number two, I've got an immediate need that I've got to fill. I've created urgency. I really need someone to come into the center. So now I talk to him. He tells me his lease is another two years. He's not my guy. i got to fill it tomorrow. Mr. State Farm guy, would you mind if I gave you a call back in about six months to see how things are going with you? Great. Yeah, okay, fantastic. Talk a little bit more. Is there anybody you can think of? You've got hundreds and hundreds of clients. Is there anybody you've been talking with that's been telling you, look, I need to increase my insurance because I think I'm going to get a bigger office. I need to get a bigger location. I'm going to get a second location. Wow, would you share that with me? Would you tell me who that is? I'd like to call them. Again, I'll treat them just like I treated you. I'll greet them a great deal of respect. But I would like to talk with them to see if maybe I could find something that would fit their needs. I took a turn down and turned it into something positive. I gained another name for me to call on. Getting started in this business, guys, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard for 12 to 18 months. But once you get going and once you figure things out and once you get on a plan, it's going to make sense and you're going to make money. You're going to find a way to be very successful. And with our economy, we're going to come out of what's going on. and It's going to be a lot different than it has been in a long time. 
The numbers are already showing it. Manufacturing jobs are coming back to the United States. Interest rates are at all-time lows. That is the perfect scenario for success. The market's already recovered. We're at what, 28, 29,000, 27,000 hovering in there. That's just below the all-time record, okay? And we're coming out of a pandemic, okay? It's going to happen. You've got to believe that what you've done is just you've been building up. This is like the off-season. If you guys are athletes, it's like the off-season. You spent all these months in the gym, all these months on the track, all these months working on your body, getting it going. You're about to get into the season. Now all that work is going to pay off. Every class you've taken, every person you've talked to, every instructor that's given you a hint, every piece of research you've done is going to pay off. The market, the last question you asked, we have done, let's see, I've done six leases in the last four months on the properties that we have. Okay, and that's everything from rewriting deals, folks leaving and we backfill their space, expanding a dentist, bringing in new people. Uh, we've got a brand new building coming on the ground. We've already got one tenant that's almost finished their build out. 6,000 square foot restaurant here in College Station. It, it's happening. It's not going to slow down. It's going to increase. The loans are coming up. Usually you see a trend where you see these new buildings happening. Well, the new building started two years ago. The loan process, the construction, all the city approvals, and now they're coming to fruition. And that's what we have today. There's a lot of growth in South College Station, a lot of growth around the university, a lot of properties changing hands. There's a lot of deals taking place. The same thing in the metro markets with Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. San Antonio has exploded. San Antonio took 10 Fortune 500 companies and they moved their corporate offices to San Antonio. From Toyota up through Chase and some other larger vendors. I'm telling you, the growth is phenomenal for Texas. We have no state income tax. We have the lowest unemployment. We have the highest growth rate. We have a, the largest port now for the United States when they just dredged out uh, the Panama Canal and they redredged the shipping, um, the channel in, uh, in Galveston, Houston port. So it's exploding. We're doing really well. There's a lot of opportunity in this industry. I'm just in one piece of it. If there's ever anything I can do to help you guys and talk through some other potentials, just shoot me an email. I'll be happy to answer whatever I know. I'll be happy to share. If I don't know, I'll give you somebody who might know the answer. I'm not going to pretend to blow smoke at you or your backside. I'm going to tell you honestly, look, I don't know. But here's a group that might help you. That's the other piece of this, is if you don't know something, have resources that can give you the answer. I wasn't the smartest guy on the block. I have a bachelor's from, from A&M. I did what I needed to do. got a business degree. I did the finance, did the accounting, did the marketing, so I could run my own business. So I may not know what an MBA would know or an MRE would know, but if I don't know, I guarantee you I'll know where to find it. I have enough context where I can find it. That's another piece of valuable information. If you become that guy or you become that woman that says, look, I know she doesn't know how to do this, but I know that she knows where to find that person. That's another piece that makes you valuable. You don't have to know everything. Just know how to get it. Be honest with people. Tell them, look, you know what? I don't know, but I will find out. That is a great piece of advice to anybody. Don't lie. Don't be dishonest. If you don't know, tell them, look, I don't know, but I know where to get it. And it can be Google, for goodness sakes, just to get started. But from there, go to your assets. Go to your people that you know within your network and get it done. What are any pieces I left out on your last question? I think so. Okay. On the licensing, yes. as far as in your background, so you started, you said residential. And 
is there any extra things you had to get before switching over commercial or is it is, is good question stuff? good question you do not so the process and guys honestly a lot of your courses are going to count towards your credits and getting a license i would say you probably only have to take maybe five to six courses to get your license once you get your your bachelor's if you get a master's there's more courses that can apply to it so let's say you have to take these these courses i'm, I'm telling you i'm telling you We've spent the last 15 years trying to make it more difficult because a monkey could take this test and get a license. It is really sad. And we used to have people failing it multiple times, which I think is another restriction we should put on. If you fail at a certain amount of times, you shouldn't be able to get a license. Just, we don't want that type of person in this industry because they give us a bad reputation. They did a survey about 10 years ago when the, all this, we really started pushing for more uh, credentials. And they said that Real estate agents, and that's more on the residential side. Real estate agents ranked lower than attorneys. Attorneys are the ones that have all the jokes made about them. What's that? What's 10,000 attorneys at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. <laughs> okay, so we're ranked below that. All right, so we had to spend years building our reputation back up and coming through that. Did you say who you got your license through? Yes, mine I got out of a Cracker Jack box. Coming out of <laughs> Toys R Us, just kidding. So the easiest one to use for you guys here is Champions. That one has been around for a long time. The course selection is easy. The help is wonderful. They're local. They're out of Houston. They've got several locations around Houston. Um, you can go back and do your, your CE, so your continuing education. You're going to be required to do that each year as well. Uh, as you move through, the longer you're in the business, it's two years and two years for broker. So that's the other piece of this is I'm a broker, so I've got other responsibilities that I've got to do, plus my regular license. So some of those will cross over. You can, you can cross those, but others you are going to have things like um, the piece that for managing people. So the broker is basically, uh, are you competent to be a broker and getting some of those things done? Then you have your normal things like your ethics each year. You'll have your um, marketing, keeping up with that, some electives. And then each year you'll go through that. I think now it's every two years once you get your license the first time. So it is only two years under a broker before you can apply for your broker? Correct, but there's other restrictions now that we place on, like you have to have a certain number of transactions, okay. you have to have a certain number of deals. Get this, before we put these into play, you could be a licensed agent, wait two years, take the test to get your broker's license, Without never have done a transaction, never have managed any people. Right. I could apply for a broker's license right now. <laughs> Talk about a problem, right? That's a huge problem. So you're managing people, telling them what to do because the broker is the one who's ultimately responsible. If you're working for me and you do a deal and it goes south, I'm responsible. Both you and I are, right? So they're putting the broker's license in the hands of people who have never done a transaction. So we nix that. And now there's a certain amount of transactions you have to do, certain type of deals, volume, et cetera. But while you're working them, just be cataloging everything you need. So when you're ready to do it, you've got everything done. Turn it in, submit, go take your test. And then now that they eliminate where you had your law degree, you can't just be a broker. Because I know initially when I, because I'm debating on doing like master's real estate or law school, mm -hmm. um, I know initially they were like, if you just go to law school, you can either you're automatically like, you can have your broker's license. But didn't they do away with that now? Right. So you still need to have real estate acumen. So you would still want to take the courses anyway. So you have attorneys and you have 
real estate attorney for a real estate transaction. There are too many nuances in the business. There's too many things. They change the, the forms annually almost because I mean, it used to be a one page form and now it's 12 pages, right? So there's a lot of things that change as you go through this that you've got to understand. And I, I wouldn't just do a law degree and then call myself a real estate attorney. You're just going to miss too much, too much. Um, licensing. So on the licensing, it's really not that difficult. You do an audit, you send in a certified copy of all your hours. They tell you, look, you're short these six classes. You do it online. Honestly, guys, I mean, flip to the back of the book, do the quiz, take the test. You should pass it. You can also flip through your book. I mean, it's timed. Yeah. The bigger book. So you send in all your college hours to like champion or something? Correct. They'll audit it and tell you, look, here's what's left. That's what I'm saying. You use those. And if you've got master's classes that are real estate classes, you may have even fewer classes to take. But for the most part, I'd say there's six. Your principles are real estate one and two, ethics, and then law one and two. So that's five. And then you've got probably an elective you got to do. I just finished my continuing education and it was 180 hours. So I think, and I, I don't remember what it was the first time, but... Mm -hmm more than that yeah it's not but it's I, not didn't, I didn't i didn't send in i didn't know i could do that or send in classes or yeah if you send those in you don't have to take it from the beginning you can just say look these classes will count towards and it's just the residual like oh, so okay. i think it's like two sets of two and another one or two on its own but yeah it's it's not bad at all and there it's for the most part it's logical for the most part you can figure things out when it gets difficult it's the fiduciary issues that's what the broker test is going to be about because you now are telling people, look, here's what your responsibilities are. You can or can't do that. Yeah. And then it's pieces like you can't have if your unlicensed assistant can't go to an open house and talk to people about real estate. She's your assistant, but she's not licensed. Pieces like advertising. Your font has to be a certain size based on the company. There's just little things like that. But once you learn it, you memorize it, you're done. You're done. Just out of curiosity, you know, obviously you've really hit on the point, you know, relationships are a key thing in any facet of real estate, residential, yes. commercial, industrial, whatever. Yes. But just out of curiosity, could you touch up on more of what different types of people we should be able to get in touch with and network with? We all, we already know, you know, get in touch with as many brokers, agents as possible, but any people and professions that maybe don't instantly come or that wouldn't instantly come to mind when we're thinking about networkers or networking sure. with people. Sure. So I think any of the basic needs that someone would have as a business owner. So they're going to have marketing. They got to make a sign. They got to put a sign up. They got to have advertising pieces they're going to send out. So Sign Pro, Wakefield, Fast Signs, all those guys, I know them. I call them. I use them. I spread my business around. So when I need something, I call them and say, hey, I do business with you. I want this. When I have clients i send them those same people to have them do their work hey remember i saying that so marketing you have um, web guys guys are going to set up websites for these people it's not as prevalent now because now you can do a lot of it yourself right you just go and pop the template in change the name the colors you're set to go but guys who do web development or social media advertising it's a great piece to have. You, again, can send them business. They can send you business. Hey, this guy just called me about this 10,000 square foot restaurant come to town. He doesn't have fun on the site yet. You may want to give him a call. Okay. Insurance. Everybody needs insurance, right? So for a large building like this one, I mean, you're talking, you know, a $20,000 policy on an annual basis. That's a big ticket. 
for these insurance guys. For in business and getting them opportunities to close deals, comes back. Hey, Robert, the new guy ran insurance for me for the restaurant. You should give him a call. He hasn't found a spot yet. Or he doesn't like the broker he's working with. The guy's running them around. He can't find what he needs. I would say any of your financial investors, so anything from JP Morgan to Edward Jones, any of those guys, those are good guys to know and talk about because they may have folks that are looking to expand who have investments. Again, it just rolls into one. Any of the professional people, you know, dentists, doctors, restaurant owners, you want to be out in the public. You want to go to chamber, chamber of Commerce events. You want to be known. I ended up being the face of my company for various reasons. And I just went to all the chamber events, went to all the openings, all the ribbon cuttings, everything, just so people knew, hey, that guy does real estate, you should talk to him. And I passed out cards, and I passed out cards, and I passed out cards, and I passed out cards. Now I'm tall, I'm six, seven. So I'm kind of, I'm not, I don't look like everybody else, right? You've got red hair, that's your asset. You wear a hat, right? You find that piece that is you, and you use that. Always using Howdy. I would always use Howdy. I would. I mean, it's just top to bottom, right? <laughs> top to bottom. So you're covered. Uh, I will talk about sports with guys. I'll go up and talk to all the guys who've done sports. Um, uh, athletes, I can, you can tell who they are. CrossFit, you can tell who that person is. I mean, they have a particular swagger, right? And just say, and you can break the ice with somebody like that. But just, it's a great skill to have in your life, period. Meeting your future wife or husband meeting their parents, meeting business associates, meeting clients, meeting anybody. You just, you want to create a confidence and a strength in yourself that you can walk up at the drop of a hat and introduce yourself to somebody. This is a huge ticket. Not just in College Station, but around the world, I'm telling you. I've had 96-year-old guys at airports walk up and introduce themselves to me because I play with my kids and you can see my rank. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of camaraderie. It's a sign of accomplishment. I I loved it. I loved it. When it first really happened to me, man, I was just like, this is, I just couldn't stop smiling. It's the greatest thing ever. You know, and you get, you get to be comfortable with that as time goes on, but realize this is almost like a birthright. Okay. This is, this is vital with your future. And I guarantee you, if a company's owned by Aggies, and it's you and some TU guys, some SMU guys, some TCU guy. you already have a better shot. You have the chance. Now prove them right for giving you the opportunity and go in there and blow them away. Using those examples, as you saw, I didn't talk down about them. I just mentioned other people. Never disparage a competitor or another group to make yourself look better. If you can't get it on your own merit, you don't need to be doing it. If they bring it up, say, well, I've heard some things about that, yes, sir, but I, I really like to focus on what we're going to deliver for you. You know what a potential client would do when you say that to them? Because everybody else comes in here is, is bad now than everybody else. He's going to sit back and go. Did you say who you got your license through? Yes, mine I got out of a Cracker Jack box coming out of <laughs> Toys R Us. Just kidding. <laughs> so the easiest one to use for you guys here is Champions. That one has been around for a long time. The course selection is easy. The help is wonderful. They're local. They're out of Houston. They've got several locations around Houston. Um, you can go back and do your, your CE, so your continuing education. You're going to be required to do that each year as well. Uh, as you move through, the longer you're in the business, it's two years and two years for broker. 
So that's the other piece of this is I'm a broker, so I've got other responsibilities that I've got to do, plus my regular license. So some of those will cross over. You can, you can cross those, but others are going to have things like um, the piece that for managing people, so the broker is basically, uh, are you competent to be a broker and getting some of those things done. You have your normal things like your ethics each year. You'll have your um, marketing, keeping up with that, some electives. And then each year you'll go through that. I think now it's every two years once you get your license the first time. So it is only two years under a broker before you can apply for your broker? Correct. But there's other restrictions now that we place on, like you have to have a certain number of transactions. Okay. You have to have a certain number of deals. Get this, before we put these into play, you could be a licensed agent wait two years, take the test to get your broker's license. Hello. Never have done a transaction. Never have managed any people. Sure. I could apply for a broker's license <laughs> right now. <laughs> Take a problem, right? That's a huge problem. So you're managing people, telling them what to do because the broker is the one who's ultimately responsible. If you're working for me, and you do a deal and it goes south, I am responsible. Both you and I are, right? So they're putting the broker's license in the hands of people who have never done a transaction. So we nix that. And now there's a certain amount of transactions you have to do, certain type of deals, volume, et cetera. But while you're working them, just be cut along and get everything you need. So when you're ready to do it, you've got everything done. Turn it in, submit, go take your test. And then now that they eliminate where you had your law degree, you can't just be a broker. Because I know initially when I, because I'm debating on doing like master's real estate or law school, mm -hmm. um, I know initially they were like, if you just go to law school, you can usually you're automatically like, you can have your brokerage license, but didn't they do away with that now? Right, so you still need to have real estate acumen, so you would still want to take the courses anyway. So you have attorneys and you have real estate, attorney for real estate transaction. There are too many nuances in the business. There's too many things. They change the, the forms annually, almost, mm -hmm. because I mean, it used to be a one-page form, and now it's 12 pages, right? So. There's a lot of things that change as you go through this that you've got to understand. And I, I wouldn't just do a law degree and then call myself a real estate attorney. You're just going to miss too much, too much. Um, licensing. So on the licensing, it's really not that difficult. You do an audit. You send in a certified copy of all your hours. They tell you, look, you're short these six classes. You do it online. Honestly, guys, I mean, flip to the back of the book. Do the quiz, take the test, you should pass it. You can also flip through your book. I mean, it's timed to yeah. flip through your book. So you send in all your college hours to like champion or something? Correct. They'll audit it and tell you, look, here's what's left. That's what I'm saying. You use those. And if you've got master's classes that are real estate classes, you may have even fewer classes to take. But for the most part, I'd say there's six. Your principles are real estate one and two. Ethics and then law one and two, so that's five. And then you've got probably an elective you got to do. I just finished my continuing education and it was 180 hours. So I think, and I, I don't remember when it was the first time, but more than that. Yeah, it's not. But I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't send in, I didn't know I could do that or send in classes. Yeah, if you send those in, you don't have to take it from the beginning. You can just say, look, these classes will count towards, and it's just the residual. Like I said, okay. I think it's like two sets of two and another one or two on its own. But yeah, it's, it's not bad at all. And there, it's, for the most part, it's logical. For the most part, you can figure things out. When it gets difficult, it's the fiduciary issues. That's what the broker test is going to be about because you now are telling people, look, here's what your responsibilities are. You can or can't do that. Yes. And then it's pieces like you can't have, if your unlicensed assistant can't go to an open house and talk to people about real estate. She's your assistant, but she's not licensed. Mm -hmm. Pieces like advertising. 
your font has to be a certain size based on the company. There's just little things like that. But once you learn it, you memorize it, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, you know, obviously you've really hit on the point, you know, relationships are a key thing in any facet of real estate, residential, yes. commercial, industrial, yes. whatever. Yes. But just out of curiosity, could you touch up on more of what different types of people we should be able to get in touch with and network with? We all we already know, you know, get in touch with as many brokers, agents as possible. But any people and professions that maybe don't instantly come or that wouldn't instantly come to mind when we're thinking about networkers or networking sure. with people. Sure. So I think any of the basic needs that someone would have as a business owner. So. They're going to have marketing. They got to make a sign. They got to put a sign up. They got to have advertising pieces they're going to send out. So Sign Pro, Wakefield, Fast Signs, all those guys, I know them. I call them. I use them. I spread my business around. So when I need something, I call them and say, hey, I do business with you. I want this. When I have clients, I send them those same people to have them do their work. Hey, remember, I saying that. So marketing, you have um, web guys. Guys are going to set up websites for these people. It's not as prevalent now because now you can do a lot of it yourself, right? You just go and pop the template in, change the name, the colors, you're set to go. But guys who do web development or social media advertising, that's a great piece to have. You, again, can send them business. They can send you business. Hey, this guy just called me about this 10,000 square foot restaurant come to town. He doesn't have fun on the site yet. You may want to give him a call. Okay. Insurance. Everybody needs insurance, right? So... For a large building like this one, I mean, you're talking, you know, a $20,000 policy on an annual basis. That's a big ticket for these insurance guys. For in business and getting them opportunities to close deals, it comes back. Hey, Robert, the new guy ran insurance for me for the restaurant. You should give him a call. He hasn't found a spot yet. Or he doesn't like the broker he's working with. The guy's running him around. He can't find what he needs. Um, I would say any of your financial investors. So anything from you know, J.P. Morgan to... There were Jones, any of those guys, those are good guys to know and talk about because they may have folks that are looking to expand who have investments. Again, it just rolls into one. Any of the professional people, you know, dentists, doctors, uh, restaurant owners, you want to be out in the public. You want to go to chamber, chamber of Commerce events. You want to be known. I ended up being the face of my company for various reasons. And I just went to all the chamber events, went to all the openings, all the ribbon cuttings, everything, just so people knew, hey, that guy does real estate, you should talk to him. And I passed out cards, and I passed out cards, and I passed out cards, and I passed out cards. Now I'm tall, I'm six, seven. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm not, I don't look like everybody else, right? You've got red hair, that's your asset. You wear a hat, right? You find that piece that is you, and you use that. Always using Howdy, I would always use Howdy. I would, I mean, it's just, Top to bottom, right? <laughs> Top to bottom. So you're covered. Uh, I will talk about sports with guys. I'll go up and talk to all the guys who have done sports. Um, uh, athletes, I can, you can tell who they are. CrossFit, you can tell who that person is. I and mean, they have a particular swagger, right? And just say, and you can break the ice with somebody like that. But just, it's a great skill to have in your life, period. Meeting your future wife or husband. Meeting their parents. Meeting business associates, meeting clients, meeting anybody. You just you want to create a confidence and a strength in yourself that you can walk up at the drop of a hat and introduce yourself to somebody. This is a huge ticket. 
not just in College Station, but around the world, I'm telling you. I've had 96-year-old guys at airports walk up and introduce themselves to me because I play with my kids and you can see my ring. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of camaraderie. It's a sign of accomplishment. I, I loved it. I loved it. When it first really happened to me, man, I was just like, this is, I just couldn't stop smiling. It's the greatest thing ever, you know, and you get, you get to be comfortable with that as time goes on, but realize this is almost like a birthright. Okay. This is, this is vital with your future. And I guarantee you, if a company's owned by Aggies and it's you and some TU guys, some SMU guys, some TCU guy, you already have a better shot. You have the chance now prove them right for giving you the opportunity and go in there and blow them away. Using those examples, as you saw, I didn't talk down about them. I just mentioned other people. Never disparage a competitor or another group to make yourself look better. If you can't get it on your own merit, you don't need to be doing it. If they bring it up, say, well, I've heard some things about that. Yes, sir. But I'd really like to focus on what we're going to deliver for you. You know what? potential client would do when you say that to them because everybody else comes in is, is bad now than everybody else. He's going to sit back and go, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Well, sir, I don't believe in disparaging other people to make myself look good. I said, I think I can do that on my own merit, my own success. My hard work, sir, is second to none. I will not let you down. I never talked bad about that person. Think about you in a relationship with somebody. Would you want to have the person who talks bad about somebody? The moment they leave your company, are they going to talk bad about you? Always look at things in the light of if I were in that position. Put yourself in these people's spot in their shoes and say, you know what? If I did this differently, would they remember me? If I did it poorly, would they remember me on the wrong side of the fence? I used to work in retail. The sign of Dillard's when I walked out, I was 18. The sign over our door before we hit the floor was, one person who is happy will tell one person. One person who is dissatisfied will tell 20 people. Okay, that means you got to work 20 times as hard to get the good word out. All people want to do, and now we have social media with no repercussions, blowing people up. So again, before you type something, I do this all the time. If you have an email that's a little bit terse that you're coming across to somebody because you're upset about something, wait till tomorrow to send it. Type it up, sleep on it, come back tomorrow, reread it. Do I really want to send this? Is it worth what I'm about to do? Go back and retype it. Go back and reset or delete it. I have an email in my inbox that I've had for three years <laughs> because of something that happened. I was very, very upset. I typed it up. I was very professional. I was very accustomed doing those things, but man, I was Literally. absolutely. And that email read it, but I never sent it. That thing worked out. Not the way I wanted it to, but it worked out. God's always got a plan anyway. Trust me. There's no way my head has figured out everything God wants to do. Trust me. It's never the way I think it's going to be. And it's usually better than what I thought it was going to be. If I'll just shut my mouth. That's in the email. But it work out. It's going to work out. We're about out of time, but I have one final question. Just because I'm curious. Did you make commission on your own office lease? <laughs> I didn't, and I told them if uh, I can get a lower rate, I won't ask for a commission. You always have that to work with. Now, unless, unless you work for somebody, then you got to clear it first, but yes. 